Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Subtle Storm. We talk about all the things, including the physical, the metaphysical, the psychological, the physiological, sociological, economical, etc. Today, we're going into the more socioeconomical, more on the socio side. We're going to be talking about differences in, or the challenges, I should say, within our normal mode of education. And this has definitely been sparked from my own personal experience, so this will definitely be one of those more perspective topics um, without any notes or anything of that nature today. So one of the main challenges that I see, and this is definitely prevalent in my reality presently as I venture back into school, um, a lot of the challenges that I see in the higher education system is overstimulation. And I don't believe that a lot of times we talk about that enough of what that actually is and what's happening. You think about it, we've, you know, went to school from, you know, Montessori or kindergarten or pre-kindergarten up until high school consecutively. That is a normal allotted amount of education in Western society that is consistent. Um, I can't remember all of them, but of course there are breaks in the summer times. There are, you know, those other breaks and things like that for weeks on end and things like that. But when you really think about how the education system is navigating this, there are no real breaks for children to really learn to reflect on or, you know, utilize these informations when they get into higher educational levels. I think in younger grades and younger, you know, education lines like kindergarten, pre-kindergarten, etc., they focus a lot on the nature of human beings, you know, or the nature of the child. So, you know, the child wants to play. They also want to learn. They're developing. Their minds are developing. This education is necessary. You know, they allow them playtime. They allow them time to go outside and things like that. But a lot, as they get further up into their education, it's more rigorous and it becomes more taxing and more overstimulating. I think that's also why at times we see, you know, kids younger being more successful in school or being more mutual on different levels. But at the same time, there are still levels of overstimulation in younger years that happen regardless. It's a lot of information being thrown at you at once. And I think another part of the challenge that I also conceptualize in general is the amount of information that we expect the child to learn within a day, within a month, and within a year. Our brains are not capacitated to intake so much information to be tested on memorization of information that's another even challenge in its own is memorization it should be more about retention and understanding and application instead of memorizing facts which i do see coming more into play nowadays in education systems and also within higher education um, but it's still not as prevalent and it is still kind of like that oddball when the professor or the teacher you know in implements these notes or these motives for you know application it's like foreign to students nowadays but going back to this original topic of you know the pace that we learn at we are in school from pre-k when we are maybe like four or five until we are 17 18 and it's a that's a 
a lot of schooling. It's almost 15 years of schooling consistently with minimal breaks. You can imagine how overstimulated our brains get within that and how challenged it can be for certain developments of learning or certain personalities that learn at different levels to intake this much information. Somebody who may be more anxious or even has a really troubled childhood may not as develop this quickly or develop ways of application and understanding for students who have a healthy home life and have a better retention method or process or coping mechanisms. Another issue I think is that we don't take into account psychology behind the individual student. We take it as an institution you know, for the the whole education system, for the school, for the classroom, for the course. And it doesn't apply to the individual student. Of course, there are methods or, you know, of communication for individual um, relationships between student and teacher um, and things like that. But it still doesn't allow, like, room for some of those students who may not have a voice or feel like they have a voice to speak up and vocalize that they don't feel as if they can, they can really be heard or have that psychoanalysis of themselves and understand how they learn. I think part of the another issue in general is that we don't show children how to reflect on their emotions and be introspective early on. While I do think that this should be taught at home, I also think that it's quite challenging to be around or like to expect that of all parents and I also think it's unfair to expect that of all teachers but at the same time I think an expectation of teachers should be a level of empathy to be able to understand their students and their needs. I think teachers who lack that sense of empathy and lack that sense of understanding with their students don't end up actually being the best teacher and don't allow their students to really succeed and have a more growth-oriented motive for their class it's more of like I said again that memorization and just to get the grade to pass and moving on and forgetting that information whereas I think different implications or not implications more you know things to add into the course that may make a student really think about it or enjoy it much more the aspect even within that concept is that a lot of times we just hire any teacher, <laughs> any professor that has maybe a degree in that specific field or, you know, doesn't actually have never taught before or isn't actually a teacher but just knows the topic or is a teacher but doesn't know the topic and learns from the book along with the students. And, I mean, I think this is more of a... Um, political issue as far as capitalism goes you know we really underpay our teachers our educators and for that it causes a lot of uproar within our levels of understanding and even retention of information I think so often we are taught by people who allow don't allow us to understand topics or to enjoy them at our own capacity or allow room for us to enjoy it because we're so you know psychologically engulfed in how the professor or the teacher is interacting with us and that can be really challenging I think that also goes into play of persuading children or students to their desired career path which is another thing I'm going to talk about is that career path You know, I think especially with that, you know, taken into account of, you know, our career paths could be swayed or our perceptions of the desires that we want for our futures as children or, you know, young adults or adults even. 
of where they want their projected future to be or even their desires at this current moment can be swayed by teachers and their experiences in other classes, can be swayed by their trauma and their functioning <laughs> within society, you know, their their interpersonal relationships, their perspective of themselves and their self-talk, things like that, their confidence. And so this and family, especially culture, all really attributes to this these, I should say, influences on our perspectives or preferences. And especially at a young age or where your mind is still developing, it can be hard to understand your emotional needs, your psychological needs, your physiological needs, biological needs, educational needs, things like that while you're still developing and even migrating from dependence to independence. So within this concept, it really traps children, and I'm really referring to the concept of um, children going from, or adults, young adults going from 18 into college, deciding what they want to do for the rest of their lives. That's a big concept in general as well within the education system that, you know, once you're in high school, you need to start planning for your future and that you need to start figuring out where you want to go to school, how you want to go to school, what you want to study and what you want to do for the rest of your life. And it's even normalized and, even incentivized to have an understanding of exactly what you want to do when you are, you know, developing your career or at the end of your career. It is not so much um, desired or, I can't think of the word, you know, uplifted or supported by outside people to drop out of school or to change your major or to find something else that fits you instead of um, the first thing that you initially chose. While we hear those stories at the same time of, oh, I changed my major, I initially wanted to do this, there's still a sense of shame associated with that in Western culture, especially at least from what I've experienced and what I have observed in other individuals and research as well, that you know, it's, it's not okay to do that. That's not what is, you know, acceptable or encouraged to do for the students. You know, there is a high expectation to get everything figured out at 18, 17 when you're graduating high school, to graduate high school. And it's very even much so more confined and stigmatized if you take a break or gap years and things like that in between high school and college, which... I'm going to go into my perspective a little bit. I waited a couple years in between high school and college. In between then, took a random couple of courses every once in a while because I enjoy education. But at the same time, I still allowed time in there for myself. Not only was I allowing myself to recognize what I genuinely wanted to do. Originally, I wanted to do forensic science. I wanted to do... Um, I can't even remember the word anymore. Um... Forensics pathology was initially what I wanted to study. Um, and over time and with lots of conversations with myself and things like that, I recognized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I That was a big influence on family, their expectations, and my own expectations of myself to be perfect in a field that I wasn't really even that good in, in my perfectionist experience. But it wasn't even just about the education 
it really, it was a time for me to learn about, you know, what I really wanted to do, what my genuine passions are, and how I saw myself in the world, and what I could see myself profiting off of, and also enjoying. (laughs) But it was also a time to get familiar with myself, my desires, my needs, my family relationships, my own traumas, to understand myself, and when I went back to to college, well, presently, it's a much more invigorating experience to have a higher emotional intelligence, to have a higher understanding of the world and myself within it and the perspectives of everybody else around me and being able to more understand the ins and outs of the interactions even within education and within interpersonal relationships etc. to be able to apply those understandings to my education to get a greater grasp of it and a better experience. I'm much more easily able to apply information, to think deeper, to critically think, to be introspective, to have a higher vocabulary. And these are some things that I have and some things that I think that are just, you know, normal to um, retrieve from the time period like this. Um, a greater understanding for how that information might actually apply to the real world basis, to how to allow yourself to fluctuate in different emotions. A big, big thing that I recognized with myself was the stimulation levels. You know, knowing how many classes that I want to take that would feel good for me, how to observe the ways that I am doing work or studying and things like that and how it does or does not benefit me how to really get the best out of my education for my own individual needs instead of applying myself in the ways that is expected to be applied or that others expect of me. What do I expect of myself and how am I going to apply these things that make me proud and me happy? Another giant thing I think in Western society is that which I think can be argued as well as that parents aren't as involved but I also think that we in general, allow our parents in Western culture to have so much say about, and definitely not only Western culture, um, about where our future lies and where it goes, and as well as how we approach different things, education, and especially our expectations of ourselves. And I think that's also natural in general across every individual human because we grow up with you know these attachment figures and these people who taught us pretty much everything that we know about not everything of course we have our own individual experiences that shape but they continually kind of perpetuate these notions that we learn because we are showing up in the ways that we learn from our parents and so a lot of those expectations and those approvals and perspectives are all shaped by the way that our parents taught us how to perceive and how we consistently hear and it's not even just because we were raised by them I mean yes it is but at the same time it's also because we hold them to a higher standard as we do ourselves and that's again because of them but also at the same time we hold them dear like they're very close to us they are our literal DNA and so there's an innate energetic connection there that even without knowing or even with being able to set boundaries and understanding those types of dynamics, we still have this energetic bound and bind to them that we have to be conscious of. And especially in Middle Eastern cultures and other as well, but, you know, there's a high expectation of where to be in life. And those 
expectations can really trickle down into our own individuation process. And I think the best part of individuating and becoming an autonomous adult is to understand those things and those concepts about ourselves, pause when we feel like we need to pause, recognize where we need to be, where we want ourselves to be, and apply ourselves the ways that feel good for us and the ways that best suit us. I do not believe, in my perspective and in my opinion, that lower education prepares us to be able to do that. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of individualism in general that society innately, because of this, implements on us to figure out. They don't supply us with any of these information, this information, including tools and rhetorics to be able to better approach life situations. But at the same time, there is that expectation of us to do that for ourselves, if that makes sense. So with that being said, I personally think the best way to approach education, again, like I said, is to pause. (laughs) I think especially, like I said, when you're going from kindergarten all the way up until graduating high school, this giant consistent period of education, I think it's fair and justified to become an adult in society and understand our place to either work, if you want to live with your parents, do that, give yourself time and space for from education, to be introspective about all the things that you've learned, especially throughout high school, because that will be your primary focus, I'm sure, um, but also to be able to look at relationships deeper and understand self a little bit deeper, so that we can understand our education deeper, the education, higher education, which really does the biggest impact of our future endeavors as we have all heard I think a frequent narrative in that sense is also that higher education is really what showed you how to live life and also showed you how to you know be an adult and do different things at least that's what I had heard um but in my perspective I don't feel as if college or things like that could have taught me as much as I taught myself and in therapy and in that introspective time with myself that could have taught me in comparison. But that's not to also say that college and higher education in general doesn't teach you that. It absolutely does. But I think the way to get the best out of all of that information is to have a better grip on ourselves. And I think that this could also be solved by, you know, allowing time and space for that education to happen in a higher education and as well as lower education to allow students to take their own pace, to be able to communicate openly and freely with teachers and allow them to, and for them to, you know, comprehend what the student is saying to meet them where they are at and (laughs) work with that. And I think if we started that earlier on, more people would abuse, more, less people would abuse that system and it would be more fluid. But at the same time, that's not also taking into account the full level of spectrum of human beings on this planet, as there are surely many people who do not have the same capacities for empathy or the same capacities for listening and understanding in a task-oriented way or versus relational ways. And 
you know, those people do exist, so we have to account for that, and I'm not here to do all of that science at this point in time, but I am here to give you different perspectives on education, to consider the ways maybe that that education has impacted you. Do you feel like you rushed into career choices? Do you feel like you didn't have any time to be an adult when you went to college, or if you are going into college, let's say? Did you feel like, or do you... (laughs) Or would you feel that, you know, education could have been more stretched out for you and felt better? Do you think you could have done better with it more, you know, close together? How has that impacted you? What do you feel like you actually genuinely retained from high school and middle school? What are your most fondest memories? You know, what about college? What stood out to you then? Do you feel like you would have gotten more perspectives in higher education had you have a better understanding of who you are? Do you feel like you have a grip on who you are now after college, if that were to be the case? How much of a grip do you feel like you have on yourself now? What about you versus them? You now versus them? Really always my goal is to spark conversations with self and even with peers or other other relationships to challenge your own thought processes and create and open deeper understandings for ways of life that are normalized and ones that are not. There's so much that goes around and so much information in this world that we perceive and that we don't perceive and nothing is ever right completely for any individual or for everyone but it's always right for that individual person. So my process within that and my even perspective in that that could be completely opposite from yours. And I absolutely acknowledge that that could be the case and that is okay too. But I think that having these conversations and even opening up political and economical and sociological conversations allows more room for change to be installed, if any, ever. But I still think having these conversations, still pondering on these things, can be beneficial for the way that we perceive ourselves in our own environment and within the lives that we lead, especially in education. I think it's one of the most richest forms of knowledge and of inquiry in the world that we live in. And at times it can be challenging and it can be maybe not the way that is best suited for us. But it is still there for us to gain knowledge regardless or to teach knowledge. And either way, it is beautiful. And in any system, especially, especially political, there's always room for change. And so keep that in mind. (laughs) No matter where we would be at in any system of government, of political systems, of sociological system, economic systems, anything, there's always room for change. People are always evolving and adapting to their new environments and to the new life perspectives, especially as we um, continue in ecology and continue in life and in decades and growth. I can't remember the word, but in generations as we go on, we continue to grow and expand and evolutionize. Thank you, brain. Um, But yeah, we continue to gain new perspectives. So I think that's also something to even ponder within itself of how much are we allowing their room to be for room for change and for growth within all these different topics and concepts as much as we are evolving as a species and as individuals. <laughs> I hope it made you think today or even gave you some concepts to question or challenge or talk with your neighbor or your friend about. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you. Namaste. Have a good day.